our audience will be like really appreciated hearing the thoughtful words from Avery. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you got nothing to worry about. We'd love to talk about platforms that could hey. stop harassment. Okay. <laughs> they, 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 our audience doesn't have sinus issues, Paul. They're fine. That's just me. Journalists. We have a lot of media clients. Journalists are great. And thank God they still exist. Somebody's got to keep all this shit in check. This is one of my favorite journalists. When I write something, I often get a DM from this person saying, hey, hold on a minute. I, I don't know about that paragraph. Ooh. It's pretty good. You learn to love your critics who, who will cut you off right at the knees. Damn. I know. And that's why Adrian Jeffries is here on Track Changes. Adrian, welcome. Thank you so much. I don't I don't remember sending you oh, criticism no. of your stories. You should see some DMs. You'll oh, be like, that, I don't know if that Bitcoin ATM is real, man. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, it's like it's I'm right, a compulsive fact checker. It's like five <laughs> seconds after it comes out when you're in your most vulnerable state. Oh no. <laughs> I know what I that know. feels like. When I see that little notification in the DM. And, uh, right, I'm and never then, DMing you again. No. And then it's Adrian, and I'm like, okay. Everything, okay. maybe she's just trying to connect with you, Paul. No, no. I mean, I'm just like, it's symptomatic of a true journalist because I think you're like, hey, look, you get, we got to get this right. This is important. <laughs> well, I know you and I are on the same team. We in are. That we sense. are. We are on the same team. We want to. We want a better, more inclusive, open technology that everyone can access. Yeah, and I feel like your writing is very much the kind of tech writing that I appreciate. That's not one dimensional. Thank you. Like you get a lot. Uh, you know, I. I think I tend to be on the more critical side, but I also don't love the stuff that's just knee-jerk criticism mm-hmm. that doesn't have context or have insights or have nuance. And so I really appreciate when someone can criticize at many layers. Let's take well, a step back, actually. What kind of journalist are you? So I just started working at a journalism nonprofit called The Markup. And for people who aren't familiar, The Markup is a slightly different model of newsroom. It is built around having every story be a team of a reporter who's making phone calls and a data scientist slash programmer who's building software and building databases. And this is, the whole newsroom is designed like this. So every story is done in these kinds of teams. And the idea is to collect data or analyze some data that we get from somewhere else or that we buy from one of the many places that you can buy scads of data from these days. And this model, it exists in some places. There are some people who do it at the New York Times. There are some people who do it at BuzzFeed. And there are some people who did it at ProPublica. And the people who did it at ProPublica are the ones who left to start the markup. But our newsroom is different because that's what all the stories are supposed to be. And that's what's It's not a section. It's not a section, right? It's not a section. Or it's a not a desk. Or whatever, yeah. It's the whole newsroom. It's is a data-driven newsroom. Right. Why is it part of the whole DNA of the thing? Why isn't it just a, an area of a, of a new journalism, um, so journalistic endeavor? What the founders felt when doing this work at ProPublica, and this includes stories that you may have seen, like the stories around uh, Facebook housing discrimination, a story called Machine Bias that was about a sentencing recommendation algorithm. This is software that said this person who is in front of you, judge, is X likely to reoffend, and therefore you should recommend a harsher sentence or a lighter sentence. The algorithm doesn't make the decision, it just informs the judge. This team took one of the algorithms that was in use in Florida, bought two years of data of the predictions, 
looked at how accurate the predictions were, whether or not the person actually did go on to reoffend, and then did statistical analysis on it and realized that the algorithm was judging black defendants more harshly than white defendants. And it had error rates biased in opposite directions. So the algorithm was more likely to say that this black person was going to go do another crime and be wrong. Whereas with the white defendants, it was more likely to guess incorrectly that they would not reoffend. So This is where we are today, Paul. Algorithms are racist now. Yeah, they are. It's seeped into everything. What I mean, a mess. It's almost like racism is a structural problem in our culture. <laughs> I get it. I'm with you on this. So anyway, to go back to the question of why it's important to focus on this, I think it's just you get some advantages when you build the whole newsroom around this idea. You can hire the right people. You can get really good at it. And the reason why we feel like it was important to double down on this right now is because journalism is letting too much oversight slip through. And as a reporter for most of my career, most of the stories I was doing are like sort of almost anecdotal. Like I just did a story that was kind of like this about how Yelp is treating restaurants. And it's like there's a big difference between calling three restaurant owners and saying you have this in your contract or being able to collect like a thousand contracts and compare all of them in a structured way. Sure. And I think in order to really keep a check on what some companies that have a lot of influence over society are doing, we need to scale up in the same way that they've scaled up their impact. It's really worth noting, too, that the ProPublica newsroom, when they started this out, they were focused on data journalism in a way almost unlike any other news org. They've done great, great work. And there's a guy named Scott Klein who runs things over there who's like just been at it for years. Just like Mr. Data, just thinking hard, building a really good team. So you guys started, you you made eye contact and you're like, we're going to talk about this thing, right? Right. And then you stop. It's a a time of extremely high drama in the media industry. They're just stressed out. It's... Let me tell an extremely high level story so that you don't have to add too many details and then add any details you think people should know. This is a true story you're about to share? Yeah. Okay. So there are a lot of people got hired to create the markup and many of them from ProPublica, Wikipedia, other places. Without naming names, it just a leadership battle emerged and Julia Angwin was fired. And the staff, including Adrian, resigned in solidarity. Okay, so why was she fired? I mean, I think to say a leadership conflict emerged is a pretty accurate way of putting it. And I don't have really more insight into it. Okay, disagreement at the top. Yeah, it was disagreement on pretty fundamental level. And But you'd gone there to work with her. I went there to work with Julia. And most of the people on the editorial side went there to work with Julia. And her track record as a journalist was doing these stories and building this field that we thought was synonymous with the markup. So it was a big surprise when she was fired and most of the journalists quit. And we also chose to uh, sign a letter publicly of support for her. And we never felt like we really got an explanation that was satisfactory for why she was pushed out. Wow! So we didn't feel like the thing that we had signed on to was oh. what we were getting. So, okay, we, so this we thing quit. ceased to exist for a minute. Yeah, it ceased to exist for a minute. Well, no, it had a leadership. It just didn't have any journalists or many editors. <laughs> yeah. How big is this thing? Briefly. Like, and then, it's like nine people. Okay, so <laughs> the six writers now. left. <laughs> 13, okay. 13 All right. now. My point is, it, it was a, a huge blow. It wasn't a couple of people uh, in Solidarity Walk. My Twitter stream was not, it was this for like five straight days. 
So now you're out. You so, quit in yeah, solidarity. Others did. You're gonna go you work. All at, quit. You're gonna go work at your fiance's bar. Uh huh. Yeah. Okay. Um, okay. <laughs> go plug the bar. Uh, quitting media. Uh, my fiance runs an alcohol-free bar called Getaway. Check it out. Getaway dot bar. Well Occasionally, I wash dishes there. So right, we all quit, and then we did not have a board yet, and so the funders kind of said, whoa, let's take a step back. Seems like something went wrong here. In public, like Craig Newmark, just there was like a tweet, right? Yeah. And he was like, well, we're going to take a moment here. Right. And so they basically took three months to sort everything out. And what happened in the end was that Julia got brought back. The other two people who were in leadership are no longer there. The oh. newsroom returned. And we just announced this on Tuesday, I guess, last week. The data and journalism bit is really cool, but this is the really good shit. I mean, this, <laughs> I, this is, I'll tell you what. All I, right, but it's, so it's sorted out, but the people that did the firing are gone. Correct. Uh, I have relationships on both sides of this, and it just sucked. Oh, you you know people on both sides? Yeah. Okay. Oh, oh yeah. that does suck. Yeah, that it just suck. sucked. It had a lot of bad, it gave off a lot of bad vibes. That's not going to end positively in any. Well, I mean, right here's what's good. And this is, I mean, the way I see it, just straight up, it's awkward to say on the podcast. I'm, I like Adrian's work and I'm excited to see, and I know the Thank team you. that you're on and I, it's, I need to see you working because I, I really do believe that this industry needs serious critics who aren't bought into the larger mythos of the industry. I'm a little on the side of like, I love it. It's paying a lot of bills for me. I mean, I'm like, I'm living a pretty good tech life. And I think without that critical voice, I talk to people who believe too much way too often. And like, I want people, I want there to be criticism. So I'm really glad to see it back in the world. I mean, you just look at news today, right? I mean, I'm an outsider. You guys are inside. And journalism is kind of, the waters are pretty muddled right now. And so it's hard to fight the information in raw, like here's the data, it's out there. Obviously there's still a task of how you frame it and how you report on it that's still going to be judged but at least you were armed with that i mean you're going right. through raw information right i think you're never going to get away from people who are going to say you're biased in one direction or yeah. another but having the data does help you push back against that it also helps people who are in a position to make a change like policymakers, like mm. advocacy groups it helps them figure out what there is to do i think there's a general feeling right now where people are a little bit confused, a little bit unsettled by the way technology seems to be spiraling out of control un in some un ways. Untrusting. Un yeah, untrusting. And being able to pin some of that stuff down in a more concrete way and say, you know, instead of this big general feeling of like disinformation is poisoning our elections to be able to say specifically how many stories spread from how many accounts on Facebook and here's how many people they reached and here's what impact they had. Yep. Talk a little bit about how you got to the markup. Where, where did you start? What did you do? Yeah, I've been bouncing around for a while now. I always wanted to do journalism, did it in high school. And after I got out of college, it was 2008, not a great time to find jobs. Journalism jobs crisis was ongoing as it still is today. And I had a hard time finding my feet. But as soon as I started writing about tech, suddenly there were readers and editors who wanted me to write stuff and job opportunities that started opening up. And so I started writing about tech for Read Write Web, which was- Oh, Read little Write <laughs> Web. Oh my God. 
Oh, I, I love. Are, are they gone? They got bought, and yeah. then they, they that, rebranded as Read Write, and I'm not sure where they are today. But you don't really hear about them. No, much I mean that's just they're going to be part of a thing that's part of a thing that's part of another thing by this point. Yep. So I learned a lot there about blogging generally, mm-hmm. and also about tech. And from and that there, was a, that was a pretty influential site. Like, I mean, I don't think you get TechCrunch quite like TechCrunch or like that thing was there early and it was big at one point. It was early. It was pretty insidery. It was a pretty yeah. fluent audience, which is yeah. nice and is a nice challenge to have as a writer because you're like, okay, I actually need to. Like, you need to know. They're learn coming. what this means because they will. Oh, they'll be like, who's this stupid journalist? They'll be able yeah. to see right through me. Yeah. yeah. So. That was a good ramp up for me. And then from there, I went on to the New York Observer, which launched a tech blog called Beta Beat, Rest in Peace. And then from oh, there- Oh, uh, Liz Spires. Yeah, that was yeah. Her, her baby. I remember that. Yeah. And then from there, I went to The Verge, then on to Motherboard, Vice's tech site, to a little site called The Outline. And that brought me to- present day so the markup is a, is a little bit of a left turn like this is there's mission behind this a little bit there's a little more purpose behind it for you yeah definitely i wanted to do something more serious i wanted to be somewhere where there would be other people i could learn from mm-hmm. which has already been so true and i had followed the careers of a bunch of the folks who had started it julia anglin is the editor-in-chief she's a pulitzer prize winner I used to be at the wall street journal before she went to ProPublica. she's done so much amazing work and was really early to study these quote unquote algorithms in a way that's more than just like shrug. It's a black box. It could be bad. Yeah. And she's sort of a hero of journalism in this world. Yeah. She's awesome. I think that story, the sentencing algorithm story that I mentioned, machine bias really started a field. And if you look at mentions of it in Google Scholar, it's been cited in a lot of places. And that's one thing they like to do, too, is publish the story, but also publish a white paper, also publish data sets mm-hmm. where possible. So influence, not just audience. Absolutely. This is a thing, right? Media orgs are set up for audience. They're set up to get lots of people to read and then get advertising. Me- and so on. Yeah, I was going to say media organizations are set up to make money on advertising, right. which it's nice that ours is not have that incentive. How data are you going to get? Are you going in? Are you learning I, R? What's R? <laughs> um, I'm not... I, I have started with a little bit of web scraping, which I wish I had learned 10 years ago. Oh, it's so good for John, isn't it? We should really, oh, like, like, if you want to do it, we'll go, let's get, like, get a bu- 40 journalists in a <laughs> yes. room and teach them. It would, we, be, it would be transformative, seriously. It's like, seriously the stuff Does that Adrian I know just, about Mercury? She has to know oh, about Mercury. Oh, we should Mercury. tell you about Mercury. What's you know? Mercury? Mercury is a parser that we wrote, and you give it a URL, and it extracts clean text from any URL. And you can then do anything you want with that. You can store it in a database. You can make it search. Analyze it. Wonderful. Yeah. It's, so it's got actually millions and millions of uses that people, it's just this sort of piece of infrastructure that we built. The DNA of it goes back to this thing called readability that mm-hmm. Rich built. Anyway, so you're, you're scraping. So doing a little scraping. I think what I'm doing most of right now is learning to think about stories as data stories and learning where data can be acquired and what can be done with it. Mm -hmm. And we have an amazing editor of data science, Leon Yin, who used to be at Data and Society and worked with Joan Donovan and also was at NASA and is just crazy good at it. So just having conversations with him about my fuzzy ideas of what I want to be able to document is 
helping me shift my thinking as a journalist a little bit away from like call three people and you have a trend to being able to get something like dead to rights documented. Analyze society and you have a trend. I mean, you got to start with a hypothesis, right? Mm -hmm. Of some sort. And I guess sometimes stuff gets left on the cutting room floor. It's like, you know, I think there's a thing. And then you dug in and there isn't a thing. You still write it or do you just say, oh, I guess there's not a thing. That's a good question. That's something that Julia thinks would be cool to do is write like null hypothesis stories and publish data. You know, we are doing like, Leon calls it the stupid version of collecting the data, like quick and dirty at first to get an idea of whether it's worth going down that road. We have a really small staff right now, so I think we're trying to avoid null hypothesis right now. We're trying to have a pretty good sense that there's something there. And from talking to them, I know that they've started with hypotheses in the past and they didn't confirm the exact hypothesis, but they found something. Mm -hmm. So I think for now we're trying to find actual exciting findings. It's also early days, so there's kind of going to be a story there. You're going to be poking around, figuring out where things are and how this world's going to work. If you need something built, like we wouldn't do the data journalism for you, but we would build a platform to help you do data journalism. You know what's good about us, Paul? What's great about us? We're not dropping a cookie and slipping a post light at it. We're just going to say it to you. We're going to say it for a minute in the middle of it. This is forthright. Yeah. Yeah. Let me let us build an app for you. Let us build a platform that powers that app. You give us money. We'll give you an app or a platform. We'll (laughs) figure it out. We'll do your product strategy, whatever you need. And you know what's what's good old business. You know what's great about it? You know what's good? We're going to drive it with design. And you know what you get at the end? Beautiful work. That helps you generate more money so that you can come back to us and we'll do (laughs) more work for you. (laughs) That's a circle of happy capitalism here at Postlight. So get in Uh, touch. Hello at postlight.com. What's your overall relationship with technology? In my head, I have you as a skeptic, but now you're working for a data-driven startup. I think I like technology and... I have been kind of on the early adopter side. Not like super early adopter, but you know, do you, medium early adopter. Do you use Facebook and Instagram and all of it? Nah. Are you freaked out? I quit Facebook and Instagram. You did? Yeah, but although not- now I have like a fake Facebook and Instagram profiles. You like sort of a have couple, to for work. You have to yeah. for work. Facebook has started to shove things behind their walled garden so you can't even see like some business pages to look it up to yeah. look stuff up and someone hears from jadrian effies that's uh-huh. that's possibly you <laughs> something like that something like yeah. that yeah. yeah i i do have one that's like it's my name because as a journalist you generally are supposed to identify yourself and not hide behind trickery yeah so i have one that's like but the profile says this is just for work although still i have some friends from long ago who are like oh you're on facebook let's be friends and i have to break it to them that we can't be friends this way do you do you have one of those devices where you talk to it and it just makes you toast no 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 way no echo no No, no. none of that I think that's probably the most creepy thing for me right now so you're on lockdown i am on twitter Oh, oh what's, okay. your, what's your Twitter handle? ADR Jeffries. Okay. J-E-F-F-R-I-E-S, mm-hmm. friend. I think my relationship with tech, like that aspect of it, the privacy security aspect is more to do with being a person who like publishes things online and like also is a woman online and having been mobbed in the past and seen my colleagues get mobbed. So in general, I'm like very careful about. But uh, Netflix. What was the worst? Was it The Verge? 
Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah, I mean, because that that crowd, they're like, "You said what about Huawei <laughs> phones?" And then they're just. I just rem- I remember there was this woman who's a comedian in LA, and she made a crack about the Lego Movie, and she got harassed off Twitter. So for that reason, I'm well, just I like mean, generally kind of locked down with the social media. Movie. There's a red line here. <laughs> God. Uh, all right. So what else? What else are you doing besides starting up data journalism these days? What are you doing? Yeah. Are you well, I have a podcast. Oh, what a surprise! I never thought. I, ne- I didn't think that would come up in our podcast. This is not the markup podcast. No, this is something is the I started. Going to have a podcast. The markup is going to do some stories in audio and some stories in video. Because yeah, that's the law. You can't. Because, no, because we want to reach people where they are, as they say. And also because the markup's model is like ProPublica's model, stories are creative commons, and we're co-publishing a lot of things. We'll be doing them with partners, so other news organizations, some organizations that are best in audio, best in video, so that we can get more distribution. I would just like to say to, if anyone from the markup is listening right now, the way to distribute your data is as reusable usable SQLite files that can be uh, read with the data set Python API. If you have any questions, get in touch. Love to talk to you. That's approved by the Library of Congress as a file format, and I have a lot of thoughts about it. Okay, back to the show. I'm going to pass that along. I don't believe you. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, there may be someone who feels the same way, honestly. Okay, good. So your podcast, my podcast, I started working on a year ago with some friends I met at The Verge and have worked with in different forms at different places various times. And we have made a lot of videos and a lot of things together, different kinds of media products, but always in the warm embrace of giant publication. Sure. And, and The Verge likes a good review of like a consumer product. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, do they? Yeah. And uh, so we thought, like, what if we just made something for ourselves? And at the time, I think we had less, we were less busy. So we started on this podcast and we decided we'd do eight episodes for the first season. And we finally launched it five weeks ago. So we're five episodes in. What is this podcast? What is it called, first of all? It's called Under Understood. Under Understood. Yeah. Okay. Okay. The idea is stories the internet forgot. So each episode, one of us finds something we want to know more about. We tried to find it on the internet and it wasn't there. So we decided to go report it out. Dun, dun, dun. Yep. Fun. Give me a story. So the last episode I did was about how I called a restaurant recently to order delivery directly from the restaurant. And uh, I opened up the Yelp app and called the, the number that was in there for delivery. And as it was ringing, this recording came on and said, this call may be recorded for awesomeness. And I just thought, something's weird here. Like, something's not right here. And I wanted so plantains. I, that sent what were you me ordering, by the way? Sushi. Okay, so not plantains. No, not plantains. All right, so, so some, yeah. So anyway, that weird. sent me like down a rabbit hole of trying to figure out why this restaurant had this recording because when I asked them about it, they had no idea what I was talking about. And mm-hmm. they, they told me I had called a different number. Hmm. So that story went through a few twists and ended up at Grubhub and you should check it out. So that was, that was the <laughs> most recent episode. We've also done an episode about this guy who tested a form of male contraception on his own body for 11 years. Called Did you talk to his children? <laughs> um, yes, we talked to all three. No, he, it worked, actually. It worked a little bit too well. So that was one She's episode. She's good at teasing Wait, these. Yeah, I was going <laughs> to say. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> what? 
Is it we, a pill? Like uh, what, what did he do? It's called testicular heating. This is fun to see because I, you're not a particularly salesy person, but you are like, <laughs> you're locked in on this. It's pretty good. Really? Like, you're, yeah. You're like, and then he wore the shirt, but it had all those teeth. Anyway, you'll have to <laughs> I mean, listen teased, to the podcast. She teased it, which is exactly. She teased too. Yeah, She's like, you better too. listen. Not. So wait, where are, what, where is your podcast appearing? You can find it in any podcast app, pretty okay. much. Just search Under Understood. Are you guys like part of some network or are you just said to hell with nope, it? No, totally self-funded. Oh, well done. Negative profit. That's great. So you had a minute after the implosion of your previous job and uh-huh. you said to hell with it. Me and my pals are going to go uncover ridiculous shit from the world. Exactly. And it's nice for me because like any hobby that I have is like probably going to be journalism in some form. But this is like light, fun journalism mm-hmm. for the most part. Do you have a co-host? Yes, there are four of us. That's the only way we could get this it done. Is so great. Wow. So does the markup, just to close it out on the mark, is this is anything out? Have they done anything yet? Or is it pre launch? Pre launch and yeah. this this little hiccup obviously delayed things a bit. So yeah. So before the hiccup, we were hoping for a July launch. Now it's probably gonna be later this year. Got it. Okay. Can I make an observation about publicly funded new media kind of companies? Because I've seen this pattern with others. Launch the website. Just get something out there, no matter what. It's not what. that different than software. Just get it's out. Just, it's very, Learn. once you don't, if you don't launch the website, it just lets everybody sit around in the office and talk. Yeah, but they, I, I think they want to go out with some meat. This is the danger, because you got your wealthy funder. This is you and me talking. This I is not- totally agree with you. I think it's like, just put up the website. Like, nobody remembers the launch of anything. Nobody, because, yeah. And unless it's, if you don't do it, it gives everybody more, re- it's too many smart people thinking well, about how the future is going to well, go. Two weeks ago, we talked about the self-imposed deadline. We have this post-site mm-hmm. labs and they could easily be runaway trains. There were like six projects. Totally. And then. Uh, they do. With smart, lovely, talented people working on them steadily. Oh no, they're working hard and they want to make them better and better and better. And then we turned to Mark and he said, you know, book the event yep. <laughs> and everything started to line up right that's, towards that date. That's what we did with the podcast. Too. Yeah. We were like, you know, we're just going to launch on July 9th. Yeah. Well, you're a that's group of only. people who know how to get stuff out. It's a superpower. Also, we're people who are addicted to getting stuff out. Yeah. This is the tricky thing about journalism. It's literally a group of people who elderly understand deadlines. They know that if they don't hit the deadline, we all don't reality. Get attention. Do, yeah, everything. That's well, right. no, there was, that, that's an artifact of the. You know, we're gonna, we got to do the run, right? We got to yeah. do the press run. Get the and, thing out. But that's still there. I think culturally, but there's no product unless the thing is you know in the mailbox. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So under understood Twitter, and you know, coming soon. So as they be settle okay. on a deadline <laughs> and, and a staff, the uh, the markup. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, it was great to we have you here. We also have jobs. Oh, do you really? Yes, we're hiring. Wow. Journalism jobs. We are hiring a couple investigative reporters. We're hiring some explanatory reporters. And we are hiring a graphics person. Cool. The sweetest plum. A yeah. journalism job in 2019. Get in there. Yep. yep. All right. Adrian, thank you for coming on Track Changes. Thank you, Adrian. Thank you so much. This was fun. All right, Rich. Yo. That's a person who sees the world of technology a little differently than you and me. You know, I think some of it is comes from a personal place, but she's also sharing out what, what she's learning, and others are doing it too. Because technology, we kind of got away from us a little bit. It's wonderful. <laughs> Look, man. A little tiny I, little. You know, it's, there's still some magic here. Like Google Maps is unbelievable. I love it. Look, I love it. I love but it. But it's got away from us. I wish it would. We need that. We need that. I wish it wouldn't just sort of, you know, 
look like a molten face screaming my name over and over again. I mean, there's just that element of tech where it's just like, Paul, yeah. I see you. Yeah, yeah. I love all of it. I don't think I'm that interesting. Maybe that's a bad way of looking at it. That's why I don't mind all the stuff. Oh, because the the, the I have the Google Home. I have all of it because who? I don't care. I'm boring. Well, that's the thing. You and I don't pay any price. We get all the benefits. Why is that? Different people would say different things. Some would say, well, because you're white dudes and the world's set up for you. Mm-hmm. Others would say, because you've got money and families and the world's set up for you. Like there's, Others would say that those two are somehow linked. Uh, others would say that you are, because you're already in technology, you're like completely skilled users who get to kind of set your own parameters for how you're We doing. know how to manage it. We have control and authority and we're able to manage how our own lives operate. So we don't feel that powerless. Yes. But it can make you feel real powerless when, like, if I need customer service at this yeah. stage of my life, I yeah. can usually get customer service because I am I buy things that, yes. you know, like, I don't know, my Nissan Rogue. They're going to call me back in an hour and it'll be okay. Yeah, fair. Right? Or, you know, Optimum or it's whatever the hell it You're is. You're right. You're right. I'm in a better spot. Exactly. And so I think, like, that's why we don't have that experience. Fair. Anyway, it's good. Criticism is, is very important and it's good to see people. Good job, Craig Newmark, sir. And all the other funders. Yes. For throwing some money in the new kind of data journalism. This will be fun to watch. Yeah. If you have things you want to talk about. Oh, yeah. Hello at postlight.com. Yeah, we love talking. Let us know. Have a great week. Bye.